Hey guys, I'm your host, Mackenzie, and this is the Mommy in Maine podcast where we dive into all things pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. Motherhood is the most beautiful contradiction. Every day is a chaotic adventure, to say the least, and I'm learning and growing as fast as my daughter is. It really is the perfect balance between challenge and reward. Just like our littles, us mamas deserve our very own village. Well, here you have found it. Join me and local experts for support in your transition to and through motherhood. This is where open and honest conversations take place, where strange and random questions can be asked, thoughts and stories are shared, and you're free to come exactly as you are. I promise you, this will serve as so much more than just a podcast. This is belonging and connection, education and advocacy. This is transparency and authenticity. This is the community you've been waiting for. This is the Mommy in Maine podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Mommy in Maine podcast. I so much appreciate you being here and spending your very precious time uh, tuning in. You know, the, the support that you've all given and shown time and time again is it really is remarkable and, you know, makes the podcast keep going. So I, I know you have busy lives, but I really just want to thank you again for, for listening. I have a fantastic episode lined up for you today. It is, of course, I should preface, um, as the title suggests, that it could be a trigger warning, of course, um, as it does surround the topic of birth trauma. However, this topic, you know, is as taboo as it is, I feel we need to start, you know, an open dialogue and you begin conversations around it more so that, you know, birth givers or women who have experienced birth trauma, um, you know, feel that that support and encouragement and empowerment around their experience, whatever their story might be, because, you know, it is, I think, more common than we sometimes speak of. And it really, I don't know, it's something that deserves more attention and, and uh, sensitivity around, of course. So... Our guest today, Dr. Emily Wilson, she is a pelvic floor physical therapist and the founder of Pelvic Wisdom Physical Therapy in Portland, Maine. She uses an intuitive approach to her healing with a strong emphasis on helping women connect back to their bodies and their inner pelvic wisdom. She specializes in working with patients who have undergone trauma, including a traumatic birth experience, to help provide healing to not only the birthing individual, but also the baby and family unit as well. It is her belief that when we heal the matriarch of the family, the whole family heals. She was an absolute pleasure to speak with on this interview, and honestly, time and time again, just left me utterly speechless, truthfully. Um, just her intuitive approach to it and how she you know, starts healing these women and looking at their, their experiences and their trauma was just like, it was so eye-opening and just really fascinating to me. Um, and she's so passionate about it you can you can hear it in her voice and it really it's really been you know amazing to have her on and and just to hear her insight regarding this topic so I hope you um love what you hear and and if you do please remember that you know subscribe and share this episode with a friend or you know someone that you think might benefit from hearing I would really appreciate that so without further ado here we go good morning Dr. Emily how are you I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Mackenzie. Of course. I can't wait to get into this conversation. Um, I appreciate your time so much, and I've been looking forward to this for quite some time now. Uh, why don't we start with just a little bit about you and your background, um, your business, how you got to where you are today, and just let the people know. 
Yeah, so I'm Dr. Emily Wilson. I'm the founder and creator of Pelvic Wisdom Physical Therapy in Portland, Maine. And it's it was kind of a fun journey. I knew at a pretty young age, I would say it was a good guess to choose physical therapy. Never thought of anything involving the pelvis or women's health in school or grad school. Um, and then got my first job and she wanted, my boss was like, what do you think about pelvic floor? This is out in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And there was no one in that area that was treating or helping women through any of this stuff. There was no resources. And I said, oh, I don't know, I'll go to a class. And I, I went to a class and I happened to have some like SI pelvic pain that I didn't realize was coming from internal muscles that started up that week. And I was like, I'm 24 and I've never had a baby. Why am I feeling this way? And I went to the class and it ended up being a tight muscle of my pelvic floor. And my, the partner of class, like she corrected it within 10 seconds or 20 seconds. And that's when I was like, oh my God, like shoulders are cool, but pelvic floors are so much cooler that we can affect and create that change. And that's when I became really hooked and started a pelvic specialty out there at the practice I was working under and then decided and kind of got more intuitive along the way with my practice, which we'll talk more about, I'm sure, um, but decided I wanted to move back east and open my own practice and really kind of make it my own. And that's where Pelvic Wisdom was born. And I've been here for a year now. Wow, that's so exciting. What made you want to move to Maine, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I... Well, I'm from New Jersey and I, I didn't want to move to New Jersey, <laughs> um, but I wanted somewhere like close to the outdoors. And then really what I tell people is I felt really pulled here, like energetically, there was just a, a calling to come here. And I felt like people would be really open to my more holistic and alternative therapies. Um, and, and that's been the case. It's really neat to be able to have such a strong holistic medical community here and people who are open to the work I'm doing. So it's felt really welcoming and helped to grow the practice. Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm so happy you decided to choose Maine and um, your work definitely matters. And um, I've gotten into it a little bit on a previous pelvic floor episode, but I think this is definitely a topic becoming more mainstream, um, which I'm so happy about because it really matters. Um, I mean, throughout the lifespan, but specifically, you know, women in their childbearing years, um, a lot can come up. So I know, uh, why don't you talk about a little bit uh, your approach with kind of that intuitive healing and how sort of like the pelvic wisdom piece of your um, physical therapy practice and, and how that came to be. Yeah, so I really use this mind-body approach, looking at what the body's trying to tell us. The body knows if we have pain, we're gonna like realize it and know it's there. And I really like to get people into their body and be able to use their own intuition to sense into what their body's trying to tell them. Is it an emotion? Is it trauma? Is it a limiting belief? Like, what are we holding? What can we move through? And really helping people kind of reclaim and get that body literacy of here's how I can understand what's happening and then be my own self healer moving forward. And so how it kind of happened is I became really intuitive um, about five years ago, it kind of hit, hit me hard <laughs> and I had to go through my own healing process. And as I was doing that, I became kind of weary to start using it in the clinic. Cause it felt, um, I don't know, I was so black and white trained and it was such colorful things that I was like seeing and feeling and interpreting with patients that I really like 
tiptoed around it. And I was at this other clinic in Wyoming at the time, but they didn't really know what I was doing um, behind closed doors. And then as I got more comfortable talking about chakras and meditations and guiding people through releases and somatic work, that's when I was really like, okay, we need to like create a practice around this to really give women the space and hold the space for this healing and helping them through birth traumas, through other traumas, just kind of refinding comfort and that literacy within their body again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Um, I know we were talking about this briefly before, but I think it is maybe a little bit like some resistance is held with certain people maybe for kind of exploring options like this more alternative or holistic um healing approaches but i i have heard before not necessarily just with physical therapy but you know massage therapy um, acupuncture chiropractic care that about that holding trauma and how that is it can be stored in the body and then um we sort of present with these symptoms because of that um, do you want to speak a little bit more to kind of what is trauma or the trauma that you see and how that is held in the body and affects um, specifically birth trauma, especially I know that's one of your specialties. So how that might come up, um, maybe common um, trends that you see with women that come to see you and, and how that might even affect sort of the, this theory of generational birth trauma as well. Yeah, so I see, I see women through their whole lifespan. And I always like to say that trauma doesn't have to be this huge event that happened or this catastrophizing thing. Like it definitely can be, but I think it's really important to kind of redefine whatever was like uncomfortable to you, felt like you couldn't voice your opinion, felt like you weren't heard, felt like you weren't given full consent. Like those can all be sources of trauma for you. And so we, I like how how Kimberly Ann Johnson categorizes as big, big T trauma, the big things that happened, the car wreck, the adrenaline was rushing, those things, or the little T trauma, all those little things that kind of add up that I didn't feel like I was fully in my body or fully present to make an informed decision at that time. So I think it's really important because I have a lot of women that come in, especially around birth trauma. And it's like, I mean, my, my birth wasn't as bad as so-and-so's and it could have it been worse. And I mean, my baby and I are healthy. So that's what matters, right? And like, those are all valid points, but like, let's not negate the trauma that you might've had from from your birth experience. Like if there was discomfort or if there was something that bothered you and we need to process that, like let's do that so that it's not hanging out in the nervous system, causing anxiety or dissociation or depression, anger, disconnection with baby or disconnection with ourselves. So that's mostly what I'm seeing with any trauma incidents, even if it's not birth trauma that almost every woman that's coming in here, it's like, there's some kind of disconnect to the pelvic floor. One, cause I think our society like doesn't want to talk about it and recognize it. So that's one, it's like taboo. So we don't talk about it. And then two, it's in like this really sensitive, intimate area. And so if it leaks, if it hurts, if it's hurt, painful to have intercourse and you can't connect and be intimate the way you want with a partner or with yourself, um, or you've had like trauma in that area or surgery, you're probably going to shut down wanting to think about it. And so energetically, what I see is there's just the stop of energy that people aren't 
connecting to that area like they do when they leave the clinic after I discharge them. There's just this like, it's this area we kind of don't talk about and kind of don't touch or, and don't go there. And so in my analogies, I think about it as like your junk room in your house and you just kind of throw things in there and you never go into it. And I'm the person that like gently and intuitively and divine timing when it's right, like, can we open the door and can we give you ways to start shifting and moving those things? and getting you back into like the juicy wisdom that's held there. I think there's so much wisdom. That's part why I call my practice pelvic wisdom is there's so much there from our ancestors, the women that have come before us and so much of like where we're going, I think can be coming from that womb space and, and really guide us in our lives. But if we're disconnected and we've kind of blocked off that area or even erased it in part of our brain because it, because it hurts, that's a natural thing to like not think about an area when it hurts or to like kind of erase it from our brain and that awareness. Um, and we're just not connecting the way I think we, we fully can and intuitively can. Gosh, that's a beautiful analogy of kind of that, that junk, uh, junk room. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's so true. And I think I'm just so grateful right now, you know, in this moment to be even having this conversation with you, because as you said, it is taboo. And this is a very heavy, sensitive topic for so many women. And, but it's, it's not something to be, I think, um, you know, pushed under the rug or just forgotten about, like you said, sort of coming back to that, well, you and your baby are healthy. You're okay. Now you made it through. So all is well, like you're fine. Um, kind of get over it almost, um, mentality, which is just so not true. And as with any trauma, whether in anywhere in the body, as you've said, like we do, even if it's subconscious, I think we, we hold on to those those thoughts, those beliefs, those feelings. And, um, that can be, I don't know, it can really weigh you down. Um, even if you're not totally aware of it a lot of the time, or, or if it comes up much later in life, let's say. Um, so I, I'm just so appreciative of, of having this conversation right now and the work that you do, because it is so important to recognize, um, that, you know, this is happening. It's a lot more common than we realize, I think birth trauma, it's not talked about and to just have this, hold this space today and, and, you know, in this container for, for those that have endured any challenges or complications, um, with, with any trauma in their life, of course, but specifically, uh, maybe around, around a birth. So it's just, yeah. um, it's definitely needed. And, um, you know, starting this open dialogue is a big piece of it, right. Even to begin, beginning the healing journey it is admitting or, or speaking of it right and I think maybe a lot of women that might be the first step right there is even recognizing it and and um struggling to talk about it with um whether it's loved ones or maybe a therapist or whoever it might be it can be very difficult to open up and just be in the you know feel those feelings and Cause that is, it's hard. Like you said, we kind of push them away. We sort of, we try to our best to just forget about them and that that's not how we heal as, as I'm finding. Right. And so I'm, I'm seeing it in the clinic where it's like people just that awareness of that area is disassociated or there's their pain there, or there's a lot of fear about returning to intimacy, a disconnect between baby 
and, and mom or disconnect between partners. So there's all kinds of different ways it can show up. And it really how I think about it in my head is the nervous system is, is messaging trauma. And so then that's a mirror and gets reflected to the whole family. So if the mom's worried about, let's say, and I, and I hope this never happens to people like that, you thought your baby was in danger during the birth at any time, and you still have that thought pattern kind of stuck and your nervous system is mirroring that, the baby's gonna pick up on it. And so I've seen this time and time again, where baby has been really, um, really shy, really cautious. And we go into the birth story verse, like there's a specific example. So I'm going to tell the story because stories are good. Um, and she, she allows me to tell this story, but this is a patient who her son was six years old and her daughter was three years old. And the daughter was like this wild feminine character, very like would do anything, run anywhere, jump off the playground, loud, took up space. Like, I love that wild feminine. I was like, yes, you have the firecracker. This is gonna be so good for everyone's healing. And then the son was so cautious. So like held back, quiet, wouldn't like jump off things. Like just was like, even when his daughter or sister would come in and like Godzilla, like ruin his Legos. He like, didn't even have the ability to like stand up for that. It would just be like, mom, it would just be the meltdown. And so I, I was really curious how the firstborn had such a different experience than the second. And so I asked more on the births and there was some pretty traumatic events that happened in the first one. Didn't think her son was going to make it. Didn't think she would make it for part of it. Her husband was late because he was on a work trip. Um, there were complications, thought her son would need surgery post, uh, post birth. Um, so there were a lot of things that were surrounded in that. And we reprocessed it at the timing felt right. She felt safe, did it all very like divine and, and held a safe place for that release. And when we reprocessed it, I mean, she looked different when she sat up because she had like rosiness to her cheeks again. And I could just tell her nervous system was working on a different level. And what's awesome is I never met her kid. She went home. She spent a week at home till our next appointment came back and she's like, Hit. like he's not listening to me he's disobeying he's jumping off things like he's not as cautious and she was like and I love it I love that he's not listening to me <laughs> that's so funny oh my god so, yeah just shifting her and healing that those wounds and those traumas from six years ago, he was showing up differently. And I was like, that's when the, like the, it all clicked. And I was like, when we heal the matriarch of the family, it ripples out to everyone. And like, why not get the healing for yourself, like for your whole family? Yeah. Do you know with that specific example? So did she see you in between her births or was this after both of them? This was after both of them. Interesting. So yeah. it's funny that, was she not as nervous maybe for that second delivery? Was there less kind of resistance during the birth process with her second? And that's why she was a little bit more of that kind of daredevil child? Yeah, I, I would have to go back and ask her. It, ideally, like I would love to clear that birth trauma before the second was born. Um, I'm glad I didn't like carry through in the delivery room with the second, but yeah, she just needed to go back and work on the first one. And the second one, we didn't even touch that birth because it was fine. Like there was nothing that she was kind of holding in her pelvis or disassociating from there. Well, that gives a glimmer of hope, I think, though, too, knowing that, you know, that first one 
was pretty severe. Um, and the second one was a lot more uh, smooth and beautiful for her. Mm -hmm. So it, it can show that, you know, it's not just because you've experienced it once, that doesn't necessarily mean it might, um, you know, follow you into a, um, the next birth. So that's, right. that's so interesting. Wow. Yes. How would you um, go about if, let's say postpartum, the woman, the mother is, or the birth giver is struggling, um, maybe experiencing some postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, is that something, I know you mentioned some other mental health kind of um, presentations or maybe even risk factors that you often see. Is, is that typically, uh, do you find it is correlated to tension or trauma stored in the pelvic floor? I think it definitely can be. I don't have like a good statistic on, on it, um, but I do see, a lot of what I see is like a high level anxiety. And it's just like, they feel even uneasy just sitting in the chair in the office. And as our work kind of progresses after a few sessions and we find comfort in their body again, start healing the nervous system, reprocessing what's needed, be it birth trauma or not, um, they start to show up differently. Like they even walk in differently. They just have this ease about them and everything can just kind of fall into place. And they're really taking different actions in their lives. You know, I stood up to someone today. I took the other job that decreased my stress. Like we just start seeing life patterns start changing. And that part really geeks me out and it gets, it gets me excited. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think anxiety and depression and all those things can be wrapped to a trauma or at least it's worth looking into. Yeah. How would you recommend um, just start recognizing some maybe unhealthy patterns or like just beginning to even address the trauma if they felt, like you said, not negating their own experience? I know that comes up way too often with not just trauma, a lot of topics um, in motherhood, I think, you know, diminishing like your specific experience because you hear something that might, I don't know, sound worse, but that doesn't, you know, yours is still just as valid. Um, and I think it's important that women realize it's, you know, it's okay to take up that space and recognize and talk about those feelings. Um, is there any like approach you use or how you help women to, to navigate those feelings aside from specifically pelvic floor, but I know you do a lot of that intuitive healing. Um, and then also like the, the surrounding family members, how can, um, the partner or, um, maybe other children if they're a little bit older or just in general, anyone that is a loved one and they're, they're looking to help that person um, get through some of this trauma or, you know, what do you say for, to support? It's such a touchy subject and you want to help, but you don't know um, maybe the right things to say. Yeah, I think a support system is really, really key. And if the birthing individual can voice what's helpful, I think things that give them time and space to start processing. Um, that might look like self-care or a bath, or I'm gonna take the other sibling out of the house for a play date with someone else and you get time to just feel your feelings to the fullest if it doesn't feel comfortable to do that with them in the, in the house, or it feels more comfortable to have people around and you're processing in your own room. Ways to start processing, I usually suggest that women write their birth story down um, with as much detail as they see fit. Um, it's really common that more details will come up either when they write it down or when I do work with people in the clinic and we're reprocessing if that feels right. 
um, they're like, I, I forgot about that. Like I blocked that out. Like that's a trauma response, right? Like our brain will delete things that are too, too painful or we don't want to store, um, but we're storing it to some extent. And so I say, write it down, like step-by-step step what happened and then write down with it, how you felt. What is the emotion there? Can you name one or two emotions with every step that bothered you? And just start to like, be okay with the range of emotions that can be felt around the birth experience and have so much grace with yourself and no shame for feeling things like frustration or anger or whatever range of emotions you feel, right? Like it's all valid and give yourself the space to just even just write down and name it, okay? And so then I love to have them call if it's possible call their mother or a parent that knows their birthing story and go through the birth story with them. Like asking, would that parent be willing to hold space for this conversation? Can I share this with you? And if they are, then having an open space to do that without interjections um, and then hearing their own personal birth story, right? So starting to connect dots and seeing if there are any parallels between your birth as a, like when you were birthed into this world and when you gave birth to your baby. And when we can start to see parallels, we start to see intergenerational trauma carry through and weave its way through. And maybe you can even go back to your mom's birth and start getting like grandma's story with mom's story with your story and really starting to see patterns. I've seen, I'll name, cause it, it helps a couple patterns that I've seen is like, there was a man in the room that I didn't expect. I didn't expect a male doctor. He came in. I didn't feel like I got good consent from him throughout the way. I felt like he rushed me. I felt like he just wasn't the presence I needed. It wasn't a nurturing presence that I needed. And mom has the same exact story. It was last minute. The doctor was on call. It wasn't the doctor I wanted. It was a male. And so this story keeps reiterating through the generations. Um, another one that I've seen is like, it ended up being a C-section because a stalled labor was very similar to what they had experienced through their birth. So how trauma typically works is it wants to replay itself to heal itself. And so it can happen generationally by like, epigenetics and tagging the genetic codes to kind of come up, but also, yeah, it's just the trauma is replaying itself. And then to get even like more geeky on that is we can see how baby, the way they were birthed, they will replay that into their personality or the way they kind of move through the world. So a C-section baby is going to present very differently from a, let's say like a, a vaginal or a preemie baby. C-section babies, they weren't given the like squeeze through the vaginal canal, that like heavy touch and that input of sensation. So these kids typically love to be like really hugged and touched firmly. They miss that sensation. So that's what they crave. They want to be held by mom. They want to be held close. Whereas a preemie, they're typically in um, an incubation for so many weeks or days. Every time they're being touched, it's unexpected it's poking and prodding, it's needles. And so they tend to hate unexpected touch. So these kids, like you touch them by accident, they kind of get startled, right? Because they just haven't processed that trauma of being a premature baby. And so I say these all in a really 
gentle way, not for moms to feel bad, but just to show how trauma can replicate itself. And I want everyone to know that no matter how the baby was born, it was perfect. It happened. You, you birthed a baby. That was a huge feat, however it needed to happen. And we can solve and kind of heal whatever needs to happen moving forward. And so as you do the work for yourself and your healing, baby's going to start seeing that and doing their own healing. And then we can go even further by talking about the birth story with our baby. I think that's the most kind of important thing we can do for their healing is even as an infant, you're telling them, here's how it went. This is what, this is what I felt. And not only is mom processing and starting to make shifts and kind of connect and release, but baby, there's like stories that babies will start babbling and they'll start telling their story and they'll get mad or they'll get angry. And then something happened. And even though it's just like a cadence of babbling or like head movement, um, they will be replaying and processing and starting to do that release. And then we'll see babies start to shift because they're not holding that, that loop anymore of the, the trauma of their birth. So there was a lot of stuff there, generational to baby, to, to your own trauma. No, that's, I mean, I'm kind of speechless. I, (laughs) um, just, um, wow. Like that's crazy and just so important. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, it's, that's so interesting too, about how, you know, babies might present differently in terms of kind of how you were saying, like they're, um, regulation or integration of like sensory input and things like that too, um, based on how they were birthed, um, and their behavior maybe even. So that's, oh my gosh. (laughs) And, and how important and empowering it can be to hold space for that conversation with them. And that can just be as easy as a nighttime story. I shouldn't say it's easy, but it can, can add it, slip it into the routine where it's when you were in my belly, even like stuff about what happened when you were pregnant. I, I was experiencing grief because I broke off a relationship with a friend or something happened and, and just letting them know those feelings weren't about them. And then talking through the birth, here's when I was really scared when you were born, I knew I'm so glad you were okay. And I'm, you were so loved throughout the whole thing. And I was so glad I finally got to hold you, but that, 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 that happened and they'll, they'll process it and they'll, they'll make shifts. It's really, really pretty amazing to see. We just sometimes don't realize babies have the capability to do that. Yeah. We don't give them credit. (laughs) Exactly. Do you find that speaking of kind of like maybe that fear or, or emotions coming up during pregnancy, is there sort of when you start talking to women about their birth story, when they start opening up a little bit more, do you find that there is um, more of a correlation maybe to those who had more of those emotions coming up even in their pregnancy did that sort of like if there was more fear if there was maybe a significant event that occurred or um like you said you know a relationship um maybe ended when they were pregnant or um maybe this pregnancy was you know following a a miscarriage or or other you know traumatic experiences like that that there's just more tension held onto during the pregnancy piece of it. Is that, can that all be carried through? Is that an indicator that maybe your risk factor for having a traumatic birth experience is higher? Um, I don't want to necessarily obviously like say that that will happen, of course, because it, it definitely might not, but 
Is there any trend that you find in that for pregnancy to, to birth? Yeah, I would say best case scenario is if you could do preconception work and clear your own birth trauma, right? Like when you were born and what happened, so you don't carry that through generationally, that cycle can stop with you. Um, and then we can kind of clear if there was like a miscarriage and you want to start moving some of those emotions. Um, those are all great, great ways to kind of do that before pregnancy. You can do some of that work during pregnancy. It's really dependent on the baby now because it's a, you have a relationship and there's this, um, a safety that has to be held for the baby. So I will do some of that work, but it's almost like we have to energetically imagine baby is, um, wrapped in like this safety bubble and tell them what's happening and they have to agree and, and feel safe enough to have the work done to release like, um, an old miscarriage and some of the trauma and the fear around that. Um, I definitely do think holding some of those things through pregnancy can, can be risk factors for, for birth. Um, I just don't have good numbers. It's more of like a, a gut feeling that all that would contribute to tension of the muscles of the pelvic floor. And when they're tight, we have a hard time relaxing to fully be able to dilate and crown and pass a baby or not stall those kind of things. So I think it's really important to, to do your work beforehand or during, or even after what I'm seeing more is treating women and noticing things from their preconception. So when, or from their, their time as a fetus. Mm -hmm. So these thoughts of grief and loss or feeling like they were unwanted, but it was really just something their mom was experiencing. And a lot of this too, I've seen it in a like dimming of your light. So I think that that was something I had to process where I just felt like I wanted to shine. It was really hard for me to shine my light out and shine my intuition. And some of that I think happened as a, a fetus and, and thinking I had to, to dim my light to stay safe or I wasn't, I couldn't be as big or as, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> oh, I get that. I, there are many, thoughts I have. And, um, I could say, I could say the same and whether or not I want to share certain, you know, wow. personal things about, um, I think there's definitely some, some of my own healing that, uh, should be addressed as well. But right. yeah, I think it all comes back to, as you were saying earlier, kind of that generational passing and, and that, gosh, it's just not talked about, like, you know, no one, very few people I think realize, or because we don't talk about it, um, that, that can, that's how a lot of things are passed. And, um, maybe that, you know, if we approached it more from that lens, there could be more healing. So, and what about for, um, kind of on the flip side of like, maybe some of those, uh, feelings, as I asked about in pregnancy, what about following, let's say that first birth, especially, I think that's another thing, um, with, I'd like to dive into is if you're a first time mom, if that's your first birth and it went, um, traumatically for you in any capacity, how, what are the implications going further? Um, do you find that a lot of women, you know, decide that's it. I'm, I'm done having kids. I don't want another one. That was too, too much. Or, or then they do get pregnant again. And, um, they, that second birth going into it again, they're just all those feelings and emotions kind of come rushing back of, or the flashbacks of like, as you were saying, you know, oh, what if it's not my doctor on call? 
what if it's, um, you know, whether whatever they prefer, uh, male, female, um, not, not their preference, um, or first choice, what if, gosh, you know, I, I definitely want a vaginal birth or whatever. And we know how, how that can change sometimes. And a lot of times for safety reasons for mom and the baby, but, um, just all of those things that can come back up or, you know, that fear, there's just so many different factors, I think, to, to recognize. And just, there's a lot more caution, I feel yeah. going into that second birth, um, or, or third or fourth or what, however many it might be. And how, how can we go about, I guess, kind of easing some of, some of those feelings, you know, you can't totally get rid of them, I guess, especially if you've, if you've experienced something like that, it, it does kind of stick with you, but is there any way to maybe um, just lessen the effects of them maybe going forward with more um, pregnancies and deliveries? It's interesting. I have a couple women right now that were always thinking of multiple children and, and they're kind of like, nah, you know, I would, I would hate to end up in the hospital again. Like that would be not okay with how things happen. And I'm like, should we, per, per, uh, should we process more of your trauma? Like what, what do we need to do to make that um, not as much of a fear? Is there a limiting belief we're holding from that? How do we shift that? How do we start moving through it? Um, so that if you do want to add a child to your family, that, that is a, a decision not coming from a place of fear. Um, so that's definitely something we can work through. I will say that when, when things come up, it's an opportunity to heal. And so maybe we kind of look at it instead of this pregnancy is going to be triggering or it is triggering. And there's a lot of fear as there's so much beauty. And this is a space. My body is, is, is ready and wanting to do some of this work. How do I start peeling off those layers? And just this, this is a time that I can do this work and create a change or break a cycle, make, make a new outcome, like how empowering the other side of it is, right? Like scary to be in it and have those thoughts and have those feelings come up. But if we can feel them fully remind current baby that you're pregnant with, that these aren't about you. I'm so excited about you. Mom's going through something. I'm here for you. I'm, I can't wait to hold you. I love you deeply. All of those kind of affirmations are going to be held by baby and, and they'll understand while you can feel the range of emotions you need to feel. Even if like, let's say an appointment were to come up and something like some bad news or some kind of a complication, it becomes high risk. Breathe, talk to baby either intuitively or out loud. This isn't about you. I'm so excited. We're going to get through this together. Teamwork. You're so strong. And just let baby know how loved they are and giving them almost the safe bubble of like, I can feel my emotions and you can be safe. This isn't about you. And, and what a beautiful lesson for a baby that's a fetus or, or born or child on this earth, right? Where it's okay for mom to fully feel her emotions and to watch mom go through that phase of movement of emotions and movement of, of traumas and fears. I think that's a huge lesson for, for kids and what an honor for your kid to be able to see that and allow them to, to, to see how healing happens in real time. Yeah. Hey, I mean, this is so important. And these, like, just this message that you're, you're sharing is, it's incredible. 
um, and very eye-opening, I think. And how, how do you go about like, what if a, a child in their infancy or, you know, young baby is behaviorally or like attachment wise, all, everything's presenting well, you know, it seems good and the, the bond is great. Uh, mom's doing okay, I suppose. But let's say in pregnancy, maybe she wasn't happy about being, you know, ha getting pregnant or um, maybe this comes back to my earlier question too, with like an external thing that, that happened, but like internally, maybe it wasn't spoken about, but she's really nervous or, um, you know, it wasn't planned or something. So whatever that might be, does, can that carry on as well to the fetus? Yeah, I would yeah. think they, they are feeling, they have the environment to do that. They have senses to, to pick up on that. Um, it's, it's so hard to have these conversations. Like the, the preface is, is uh, feel what you need to feel, heal what you need to heal. And if it happens while you're pregnant, we can get through it and do the healing now. And on the other end, the repair, if it, if you can't get like do the healing part during pregnancy, we do it afterwards and you give stories to the baby and you do the repair on that side. It's, I want everyone to know however it happened and however it's, it's going to happen or is happening. It's, it's okay. There's no damage that you're doing that you can't repair and strengthen and, and help that bond moving yeah. forward. Yeah, it sounds like it's never too late is sort right. of what you're saying too. You can always kind of yeah. repair that damage and, and go back um, and approach it to, to really heal from it for you and, and the baby. So that's, that's so important to hear and yeah. uplifting, I think too, knowing that there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, um, despite how dark it might seem at times. Yeah. We're, we're talking about like big extreme things. It doesn't always have to be as big or extreme, but no, there's always, mm -hmm. there's always room for healing. And then the other thing I wanted to to pop in with that is like this generational theme when things carry through. I think that is so important to know that it didn't start with you. There is a book about that. It's called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And he talks a lot less about birth trauma. I've used a lot of my own and some other resources to kind of find my place on what I, what I believe on that and the research to support it. But he talks a lot on how like generational trauma will carry through. And I, I just love that thought that it didn't start with me. Like I, I'm just here to kind of break the cycle and I can do that. And I can be that person in the ancestral line. And when you do the healing for yourself, it heals six generations back and six generations forward. Like what a huge monumental thing you can do. And this knowing that you can be that person and it didn't, it didn't start with you. Even if it, if it's high anxiety or depression or trauma that comes up in the birth, like you can still make a change and make a difference moving forward for, for so many people in your, in your line. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Oh, that's, it's so imp inspirational too. Like, and, and so important to remember, like you said, you know, it's not, it's not your fault. It's nothing you did you didn't cause this to happen. There's nothing you could have, you know, done differently. And as you mentioned, you know, to your point earlier, it, your birth was beautiful and it was perfect and it's how it was meant to happen. So just kind of coming back to those themes. Right. Right. I even, I even see it. Um, 
unfortunately happening with like uh, sexual or physical abuse as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you could be the first woman in your line to shift that and make that change. Cause then they realized my mom had an incident, my grandma, my great, or like, or maybe it was just one of them that skipped a few generations. Um, and that, that you can make a change and show up differently and kind of create that change ripple going forward. Sure. Yeah. Do you find that speaking of like just the birth experience and um, I know, I think we're coming around to it a little bit more with just educating more in general about like getting uh, resources out there as far as like childbirth classes and things of that nature. Um, What are you, what are you finding with, do you feel, or are you seeing that women who quote unquote prepare more for their birth or, you know, educate, take the classes, know their options, all of those things um, can help reduce any traumatic experience or is it kind of just still sort of random? Like, like, again, you could do everything right. You could totally prepare or you could do nothing and still everything goes smoothly. Um, How's that? Like, do you, do you find that it might reduce any complications or is it kind of, I don't know, a lot can happen in that moment. So. Yeah. I think knowing your options, knowing what you have a hard no to what a maybe like when you would say yes to certain situations let's say like a c-section for instance for instance um is really important having some knowledge of what's going to happen um either at home or in the hospital just like that that knowing um i heard a great great quote once it was like read all the books and then stop reading them and just be in the moment like forget them and just know that information's there to kind of fall back on. I, I have a good friend. Um, and she, I said, well, what's your birth plan? Talk me through it. And she's like, oh, we don't have one. And she's usually very structured and very organized. And I was like, oh, okay. And, but that was perfect for her because it allowed flexibility and movement. So I think it almost depends more on your personality type finding like the right class that fits for you, what you feel drawn to intuitively. Maybe it's not the class that your friend said to go to. Maybe it's a different class and virtual and not in person, whatever kind of feels best or whatever book and resource kind of calls to you. Um, But then I really, I think the biggest part of birth is it's super vulnerable and it's a loss of control. And so if you can understand how you feel about control, you're going to understand kind of how you might react in situations in, in a birthing situation. Um, Does that make sense? Like if we feel like we can't lose control and there's this like tight holding and I have to grip everything in my body or I don't feel safe, like then it's not going to go as smoothly as we want. Right. Going back to that nervous system connection and your mindset, your, those thoughts, it's going to connect right back down to your pelvic floor. Right. Right. So I think a lot of it is knowing who you are as a person, like some self-analyzing, um, setting yourself up in a way that feels right, including like a environment that feels safe, that you, you know what you want to consent to and what you don't and your parameters on that, having a good signaling system to 
your birthing partner and the staff about like no <laughs> and and saying no in certain ways like let's try just sticking our finger out and turning your head away from them that's such a non-confrontational way to say no they don't listen throw the hand out they're trying to do a check while you're in the tub to check your cervix scoot away like you have to find ways that you're comfortable with and practice them and your partner knows the language that you can stay in your zone and kind of control or I shouldn't say control after I said control again, <laughs> but so that you can you can know and do that it's you have to be able to be so in tune with the dance between you and baby you know best you can feel and intuit and that's the biggest thing I teach is like how do we connect with baby and get ready to do that dance so you feel like you can be empowered to know how to make decisions in the moment yeah having yeah. having a support system around you to do that as well right it, it definitely I like that you mentioned it like a dance and because it is, it's a fine line between, as you said, I think, and you hear this a lot, right? Like don't read too much. Don't, don't do any preparation. Don't add, you know, versus that the person that's over-prepared and has read every little detail or, you know, it's certainly, I think it's powerful and, and necessary to, to understand your options, to be educated to a degree of, of what's available to you um, so that you can advocate for yourself if you are put in um, maybe a not so, so ideal situation. However, again, as you mentioned, that control piece, like you are, unfortunately, as much as you can be in tune with your body, it's still, you do have to release a little bit of that, which is let me just add a great precursor to motherhood in general, uh, letting go of some of that control because yeah, baby sort of leads the way. Um, but it is, it's, it's the both of you, um, and knowing how to understand and interpret and recognize those, those intuitive feelings and thoughts, I think will, will play out in your birthing experience. And, um, I know for me personally, I, it's funny, your friend, you mentioned, I'm, kind of the same way. I'm definitely more structured. I like organization and routine predictability with certain things. Um, but I was like, when I got pregnant, it was sort of like, eh, okay, well, um, we'll figure it out. Like <laughs> I was very much more kind of go with the flow. And for me, again, personality wise, it, it worked for me. It, it did help me get into that good frame of mind for my personal birth, um, experience. So I, I do think that makes a difference, but um, for me going in with an open mind that my kind of, my plan was to not have a plan. And some people might gawk at that. They might be like, you're an idiot. You need to have a plan. You know, that's not safe. That's not careful. That's, you know, just sort of polar opposite of, you know, spectrum here. And then you have other people that are completely maybe again other opposite of the spectrum maybe should know a little bit more and have absolutely no idea what they're going into sort of blindly and just kind of expecting it all to go smoothly when it, we all know it it very well might not and it, it might be in those last seconds or minutes of delivery that something drastic might happen um safety wise or, or not um that it might not go how you wanted or how you envisioned or how you planned and um, just kind of being open to knowing that I think it just coming back to the dance or that fine line of like 
knowing the options, being educated to a degree, um, being able to advocate for yourself. Um, and again, with your partner too, that was important. I like how you mentioned that, um, that they can be well-versed in this too. I think preparing with them, like being a team uh, in that sense, so that when you go in, whether it's going completely smooth or things are getting complicated, like you need to know that you can trust that communication between you and your partner to, to make a decision, um, sometimes abruptly. So, right. Yeah. It's tricky for sure. I think. And also knowing that there's some, a lot of instances where you can take your time to make a decision. Mm. Like yeah. if they're giving you the papers for a C-section. If they're wheeling you out and you you're making the decision in the hallway. Yes. Yeah, sign the papers. This is, this is urgent. If they're laying them on a desk next to you, you can let them sit there for hours. Mm. That doesn't feel right to you. Or if you're not ready, like a lot of us make we feel pressured to make decisions quickly. And then we don't feel like we fully kind of figured out for our body and ourselves and our baby and this and the dance, what's right for us. And that's when the trauma can kind of, kind of set in for, for another time to heal. Right. Have to heal another time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Creeping back in a little bit later, almost sort of when you are doing that reflection of like, oh, well, that was it right there. Like I felt so rushed, you know, I thought I might die. I thought my baby might die or, or whatever it might be like the most drastic scenario that of course you're going to sign the paper. Like in that moment, it is sometimes might feel like life or death perhaps. And, you know, no one's going to sit on that. Right. So right. that's hard. Yeah. I love to talk about the fawning response. I don't know if you've heard about that. So we have fight or flight. Most people know those nervous system responses, but they don't quite, we haven't talked a lot about fawning response. Um, and it's this, it can happen outside of birth, the birth world and the birth experience. Um, so I see it a lot with people who get diagnosed with like HPV and need to have like cells removed or like a cystoscopy. And the doctor is like, you have this, we need to get you in immediately. Da, 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 and they like schedule it almost without you saying yes. And they're just like, you will, the X, Y, and Z will happen. And they freaking gaslight you into it is what it feels like. Yeah. And it's what you really need is space and time to make that decision. So the fawning response is when our nervous system is like, I need to, I need to make this decision because this medical provider is advocating it for, for, or advocating that I make that decision. So you make this a quick decision, even if it doesn't feel in alignment with you. So if you notice, like you've done that in other appointments leading up to pregnancy or throughout your life, it's really important to start kind of understanding that that can happen in the birthing room as well and creating space. And again, the conversation with your partner and even your healthcare providers, if that feels right, I need time and space to make decisions. I need you to create space around that decision. If I'm being pressured, I need space. How can I integrate and process that? Or what have I already come up with as my kind of decisions beforehand? Um, and how, and how, and when would I shift them? What's that point, that tipping point where I feel like that's that's what I want to do, even if it goes against what my body is saying to me. Yeah, it's so important. And I think culturally just our system just isn't 
built that way. Like it is so like, it's black and white. It's yes or no quick decision. Like, or, you know, it's, you look at your doctor and well, they know everything, right? They're the doctor. Um, but I think it is important to, of course, you know, yes, their expertise is valid. Absolutely. But so is your own intuition and kind of taking that time, as you said, to really understand the options, process your own emotions towards those options to, to make an informed decision um, that's right for you and your family. Yeah. And then being graceful with yourself, if that did happen, that that's a nervous system response. You were trying to keep you and baby safe and that's perfectly valid and a great reason to have done it. We can do the healing repair after. Yeah. Wow. Is there any way, and not to say that, you know, I'm sure there are, there's so many amazing providers, doctors, nurses, midwives, all of, you know, the whole team and Gambit. How, how do I phrase this question? Um, do you find it would be helpful um, or valuable for maybe some more education or training for those providers in terms of trauma in general and the trauma response and how to create a more caring and trusting and safe environment um, in during that time and in those instances that the you know that those providers can maybe not rush you as much or or I don't know like does that make sense kind of what I'm asking how they can sort of help that process for you yeah, I, I mean, I think we can all improve. Um, it it's it's so hard working in a system like that. Um, not that I ever worked in a hospital, but working under someone else, knowing the system, knowing what I like could and couldn't do, what was required, what insurance wanted. Like, there's a lot of like unspoken pressures on those kind of people, those providers, and yeah, I. I I would love more education on that, more openness, more how do we really tune into mom and what's what she feels like is the best decision. So I think it really, what would be the theme that I would love to see the most portrayed is like full informed consent, like feeling like you fully as, as the birthing individual made that decision for yourself. You didn't feel pushed into it. You didn't feel pressured. You didn't feel like, yeah, you were pushed into it. Like it was the decision that you were given the options and you made the decision that felt right for you. Yeah. Even if it was always going to go towards a C-section, as long as mom felt like she was really able to like have space and time to make that decision um, or, or some presented in a way that it felt better for her, I think we would negate some things moving forward. Definitely. Can a traumatic birth experience um, also impact the partner to the same degree or in the same way, um, you know, if they're in the room with you during delivery and, or, or let's say, I don't know, uh, baby was given to dad or, or, you know, partner because mom needed to be rushed away for other treatments or um, intervention how I know we focused a lot and definitely I think the root of this is the birth giver the woman but I'm sure there's got to be some passing along too for for the father um or partner as well for like you know they were right there too making those decisions last minute with you hope you know I would hope um 
that's got to be a lot for them too. Is there, I don't know, how do you, how do we help them and kind of get them the help they need to, or, or, um, just heal. Yeah. That's talked about even less than birth trauma. Right. Um, right. Of course, there would be trauma if you thought your loved one or your baby or your wife or partner, um, however the relationship is, was, was you were going to lose them or there was a threat to that and their safety at any point, or you didn't like the way you saw them treated through birth. Like, yes, <laughs> all of those would, would settle in and, and create kind of this trauma that could, I would assume, could affect the relationship negatively or positively. Um, affect the relationship with baby, affect the family dynamics, affect mental health, um, things we could do. That's something like that I think is kind of uncreated, maybe like a, a dad support group, but then telling the birth story from their side, the same kind of thing, writing it down, processing it, moving through those emotions um, as much as, as we want to create space for the mom postpartum, maybe we have some kind of creating of space for, for the other birthing parent, um, not non-birthing parent, <laughs> um, postpartum, creating, giving them that, that option, holding them, counseling, what, whatever it needs to be. Um, I will, I will add this real quick. It's super fascinating that if dads have there are, I should non-birthing parents, I'm trying, um, non-birthing <laughs> partners are having, um, if they had a trauma during their birth experience, that can show up for their partner during the birth. Um, so I've seen, I've heard about that in some different works where someone was, his wife was crowning and he was pulling his head up and, and like squeezing it just like forceps. And then grandma came in and this nurse asked about how the son was born and she was like oh it was a traumatic forcep delivery and so he was replaying the trauma of his own birth during the crowning of his wife not even knowing it yeah and so that can show up um in the birth room they can even reprocess their own birth there or it can show up for the mom and she has to she has to work through some of that in the birth room so it can be really healthy for the guy to do as much work or the non-birthing partner preconception. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I know it's, it sneaks up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, it's crazy. And it's so, it can be so minute of a detail that you know, it can be overlooked, I think. Um, so, and it, then on the postpartum side of things, you know, that's tough enough for, for mom and dad um, as far as, um, emotions and hormones and all, all of that, just getting used to, you know, life with a baby or, or another baby perhaps, and right. certainly processing some of this trauma or, um, if that was endured during the, the experience is just an added stressor, of course, to, to everything already on your plate during that, that hard time. So, right. A lot, it's a lot, but I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because it does, it just starts with talking. It starts with getting it out there and um, explaining, you know, telling your truth and letting people know it's, you know, you're not alone. And it, it happens, unfortunately, more than, than we know of and, but it can be dealt with. It can be healed. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And then like, 
let's maybe not tell pregnant women all the trauma of your own birth. True. Absolutely. I will say like, as much as this is incredibly important and I, I feel a hundred percent necessary, I do find that, um, sometimes and not necessarily just the subject of birth trauma, but maybe motherhood in general, pregnancy in general, all of those things, like a lot of the times it's again, that, that dance sort of, or the line of like being realistic and, you know, letting people know the hard parts of it, of course. And like, because that helps with isolation, I think, but that, you know, we need to not forget to celebrate all the beauty and the goodness and, you know, everything that is healthy and smooth and uncomplicated and natural and just everything on the other side of these, these, you know, terrible thoughts and and experiences and dark places. There's, um, there's another side of that as well. So I think it's important to, to share all of it, right. The, the good and the bad, um, because they both happen and but I think we can hold on to cling to the good a little bit more hopefully than than the bad so certainly it's important to tell your good stories too yeah yeah and just have some awareness if there's if there's a lot of fear that you're still holding maybe that's not the conversation to share with with someone who is pregnant who's getting ready for labor and delivery or how to conceive and just knowing your audience and okay we want to we want to share that joy and share that love and share the those experiences with with the dash of reality but we don't need to be replaying our birth trauma to them that might be a sign that that that's another sign we'll put it that way that that maybe maybe some more work for for that individual having that fear and having that story that still wants to re, be replayed um, to be working on it themselves or find find a professional. Yep, absolutely, it's so important. Oh well, Emily, is there anything else you want to share specifically about your practice or any other any other things that are just on your heart you'd like to let anyone know? Yeah, I would say. My biggest tip for people is to start talking to your baby during pregnancy. It is so much easier to talk to a fetus when they can't say anything bad. They can't give you a look like just start, put your hands on your belly, talk to them, send them intuitive messages, see how it feels to form that communication, start to kind of see what that give and take feels like sending them love, sending them light, telling them about your day, telling them what's going on with your big emotions, creating some safety for them. Start that, start that now, because then when we get into labor and delivery, that's going to be so helpful to have that established and be able to check in with baby, check in with yourself and your body, knowing what, what both of you need to do the dance, right? Because as much as you're moving and creating space and moving bones for baby, they're doing the same thing to make their way out of the vaginal canal if if it's a vaginal birth um so i think that communication is key and then don't stop it postpartum tell them about their birth watch them start processing watch them heal watch how it heals you share with your partner create space to to be open about it and i i we can share and maybe it becomes a little different with as they age how the story shared but I think it's so healthy and such a great bonding and healing experience to share share the birth experience with your baby. And you can even share if there's generational themes. When I was born, this happened and it, it happened again when you were born and we're healing that. We're breaking the cycle. We're, we're moving past it. 
just kind of empowering that those kind of conversations because that that is a bond that is so intimate there is such communication um and intimacy between between you and a baby um yeah. you can you can always have that moving forward it's like there's this energetic umbil umbilical cord between the two of you after they're they're born and you can always send light and love from your womb space through this umbilical cord to their belly button and I've, I've seen it help lower fevers. I've seen it help decrease stress, co-regulate, whatever you need to give to baby, you can. And this is a beautiful way to do it. There's this energetic connection. That, that is, I mean, those, the two words I, I just, it's beautiful and empowering. I mean, those analogies you give and, and just how you speak of this, it's like, it paints such a, an amazing and this miraculous picture of like, how it, it can be, how it can flourish, how things can change and grow. And like you said, just breaking that cycle um, if it is, if it's generationally um, charged. So it's just incredible. Oh my goodness. You have so much to share. I love this. I love this so much. Oh, I love talking about it. Thanks for letting me geek out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, as we wrap up here, I do have my last two questions for you um, that I ask every guest on the Mommy in Maine podcast. And the first is your favorite place in Maine. Oh, that's such a good one. Um, I like biking down to Willard Beach and hanging out there, especially in the summer. I'll jump in and read a book and warm up in the sun and I just, there's something about jumping in the ocean here with how cold it is. It feels like it shifts my energy immediately. I feel like I release what's no longer needed to me. I could, sometimes I walk in and I do it like chakra by chakra. Like this is like me, my spiritual geeky side. And I just let the water cleanse me and release me. And, and that's one of my favorite places to do it. Um, so yeah, maybe you'll find me there in the summer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I need to get better at, um, diving in the cold water <laughs> it's you know, good afterwards not during but how i talk myself into it is that it's a cleansing it's a release we're moving forward we're true doing the healing work and it's it's a tool the water is such a powerful tool for healer for healing um and it, it's very similar to the water of the womb <laughs> very true very true <laughs> there's parallels everywhere we look <laughs> yes yes and my second question is, uh, which you might have touched on just previously, but your main tip for moms. Yeah, that the dance and the communication with baby, that's the biggest thing. Um, and really knowing that if you've, if you've already experienced the birth, that all the healing can still happen and you can still affect change moving forward. Um, that's just part of part of the journey that you're on and it's it's beautiful and it's divine and if you need help there's people out there to help definitely yep seek out that help yes oh well thank you and um where can everyone find you i mean this has been so much fun i appreciate your time your knowledge your insight your beauty your goodness all of it this has been amazing and i'm i'm so thankful and fortunate to have had you on here for this important conversation, this hopefully healing and empowering conversation for um, those of our audience members out there that needed needed to hear this. So if people are looking to get in touch with you further, um, seek out um, pelvic floor therapy for, for you know your services, where, where can they find you? Website, uh, social, any of that? 
Yeah, so I'm located in the North Deering neighborhood of Portland, Maine, and you can find me. My website is www.pelvicwisdom.com. Instagram is pelvic, and then it's an underscore wisdom. And Facebook, you can find it under pelvic wisdom as well. So I got the domains on all of it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been so much fun. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. And you're just, this is, you're a light in this world. So thank you very much. And we'll talk soon for sure. Yes. Thank you for holding space for it and all the warm words. My heart is feeling full. <laughs> That's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you learned something, felt validated in your own motherhood journey, or maybe even laughed a little. For further details, including topics discussed in today's episode, links, and resources, check out the show notes. And if you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Mommy and Maine podcast and share with others so that this community can be reached by all the deserving moms out there. I'd love to connect and appreciate any feedback. So please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. To get in touch with me, I can be reached on Instagram at Mommy in Maine or by email at mommyinmaine at gmail.com. Cheers to being a rock star mom. I'll see you next time.